Yeah, I want to hear about this because Buddy seriously probably has no clue who freaking Buddy is. <laughs> I've brought it up in reference, but I'm sure some of our listeners know exactly who we're talking about. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no for Rep Boys. Yeah. What's yeah, his real name? I don't know. <laughs> you don't? It's freaking Buddy. It's freaking Buddy. It's freaking Buddy, right? <laughs> yeah. Burned a hole in my shirt. <laughs> yeah, they, they came up and they played at this tiny little hole-in-the-wall pub in Enderby, BC, Canada. And there's probably only like 40 people there, but they threw down hard and uh, we had them over for an after party after and drank a bunch of beer and a bunch of whiskey and woke up in the morning and those guys are just tossed all over the house. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody that wants to uh, have a good laugh, check it out. He's, I mean, he's got like millions of views on YouTube. It's yeah, crazy. But out for a rip. Oh. And there was another one out for a sip that talked yeah. about his lawsuit with Coca-Cola. Yeah. That one cracks me up. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you guys made a reference earlier. I'm starting with like a total horrible story for introducing some Canadians here, but <laughs> set the tone right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, this is going to be a little different podcast because this one wasn't my idea. This was Joel's idea. <laughs> and we did it in true W fashion where you have an idea. That means you're raising your hand and volunteering at the same time. <laughs> so it wasn't I, uh, too hard to twist my rubber arm, eh? Right. But yeah. it was a cool topic that you presented, and it's something it's that weird middle ground where there's a lot of houndsmen in that spot where you are not a beginner, you know, you're not a rookie, it's not your first year, you're not a second year, but you're not up to that level of what we consider, you know, like the houndsman, like yeah. established, you've been doing this for years you've got your system you know what you're doing and you know i asked joel like hey why don't you be on here with me get your hunting buddy and we'll just talk about it because it's it's a portion nobody likes to talk about i think because that's when all your trash races happen and <laughs> you know you realize you're screwing your dogs up by training them wrong and, well, and your, there's your a lot of trash <laughs> yeah right <laughs> No, it's the biggest learning curve, right? Because it's like we joke all the time. We call them Finnish houndsmen, right? Yeah. Like we need to screw Finnish dogs, man. We need to hire a Finnish houndsman, right? Yeah. We need to find ourselves a Finnish houndsman to hunt with. No <laughs> kidding. Like yeah. we're we're all there's three of us that hunt together and have hunted together for the last few years here quite a bit, and uh, we kind of been at this period where all of us have one good dog, and yep. then a couple pups, two or three pups that are on their way up, and they're showing a lot of promise. But now we're getting to this point where our all our good dogs except for maybe one are getting old and they're they're out or on their way out right and it's starting yeah. to to reach that turning point where it's like what's the next couple of years going to look like if these dogs retire and we're left with all these crazy pups that mm -hmm. think they, they're like us they think they know what they're doing but they don't <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh yeah it's a tough spot to be in because you know between the three of us we have nine or ten dogs and you know, when we all go out together, like we hammer smash, right? We yep. catch a lot of game, but at the same time, you get a real reality check when you go out on your own and it's like, oh, they work really, really well together, but my own pack still has a lot to learn, right? That's a, that's a tough one to understand too, until you really start looking at it. Because like, I'm in a position where I hunt a lot with my hunting partner. I mean, 99% of the time I'm still hunting with him. And the dogs do, you know, they run as a pack. They, it's yep. kind of like we got a pack. They get 
housed at two different places. You know, he carries the heavy hitters and I got the ones that I'm working on. Yeah. And it's, um, it's interesting though, to pull them out because once they've done that and you see the capability and you separate that dog from the pack and, you know, kind of force it to have to do its own thing. You start seeing those holes really quick Yeah, yeah. in the dog, in yourself. I mean, it, it's a two way street there, but that's, um, that's a big one. It's tough though. If you're, uh, if you don't have enough experience to recognize those holes, right. Especially when you're out there, you might run with a buddy who's got, got good dogs and your dogs run well with his dogs. And like we do, we go out and we catch a lot of game, man. We've had a couple really good years where yeah. we, we did well for where we're at. Right. But like Brandon was saying, you go up by yourself and all of a sudden your pups are going, it's like they're hammering that track and all of a sudden something goes wrong. And maybe you, you're looking at the GPS or you're walking out of track and you don't have the experience to really know what went on there. Right. And True. then it might be, this happened to me a lot last year running my own dogs on Bobcats. It wasn't until I got home the next day, the next two, three days where I was like, Oh, that's what happened. Like click. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, if I, if I had known that in that situation, maybe we'd cut, we could have caught that cat. Right. But it's not till maybe days later you figure it out or you think you figured it out. Yeah. So that's kind of where this podcast is going to roll. This is probably a little different for the listeners, but I thought it was a really cool idea and I'm sure it's going to lead for some follow-up stuff too, because you know, it's good to get a perspective from all angles. Like the guys that have been doing it for 30 years, they can still remember what it was like to be that guy second year, third year, or like you guys, you're saying you're at this point where your first pack is about to make a serious dynamic change. Yeah. Right. I mean, you're, you're losing those old veterans and now it's like, okay, here's a dog that I knew nothing when I was training and I'm just hoping and praying that it, it sticks. You know, it's kind of a weird spot to make that shift from that first pack, I think. Yeah, and those those 30-year veterans, they've they've probably went through it, you know, 10 times because, sure. you know, especially when you're running bears, that can be hard on dogs, mm. right? Or in wolf territory where wolves take out your whole pack. Which is right. crazy up there. I mean, you, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of places here in the states that it's a big problem, but you guys have had the problem for a long oh, time. Yeah, it's, it's everywhere, everywhere, everywhere every yeah. day. Yeah, my buddy just lost two yeah. of his lead dogs uh, this past winter uh, to a wolf. He actually got a Gascon imported from Europe, spent a ton of money, and uh, first time he had him out hammering on a hammering on a cat, and all of a sudden, boom! Says he's treed, not moving, gone. Dang, man. Yeah. So, but yeah, that I think that's probably the hardest thing is that trying to figure out your own pack and try and trying not to be so hard on your dogs, yeah. right? We always see other people, especially being a newer hunter, we always see these guys on Instagram that have all these cats, have all this success, and you think, oh, they have perfect dogs, right? <laughs> yeah, right. And and we've we've had a lot of success, but now we kind of understand you know every dog has his has his strengths and weaknesses and every dog has his days mm-hmm. right i have a i have a dog that he didn't turn on for 4 years most houndsmen and he is a hammer now but most houndsmen won't wait that out right right and so 4 years later he turns on and he's like amazing bear dog on like tight is everything you want out of a bear dog but he didn't perform for four years and he bit my other dogs. Like he was, he was at his wits end, right? Yeah. Four years and about four different owners. Yeah. Too, four right? different it took, owners. It took yeah. you to, to really 
springing out of them. Yeah. But Which is tough too when you're getting dogs that have been owned by multiple hunters, I think. Because, you know, I've owned dogs early on that took a long time to even hunt for me. And they were finished yeah. dogs. You know, it was just, I didn't know what I was doing. And that was translating into the dog. And, you know, even, even some of the young dogs that I raise, it takes a long time. That dog may like you. That dog may listen to you, but it takes a long time to get to that point where it's a, it's a partnership. You know, that, that takes a switch to flip. I think a lot of times in those dogs and that's when everything starts really progressing. Um, but I mean, that's, that's more of the, the handling side and, and the connection we have with those dogs because the oh, ability is yeah. there. It's just, you have to have that second piece to draw it out of them you know yeah building that relationship with the dogs right and that's it's really hard like we're all going through puppy stages right now with a lot of our pups and so we're learning you know we have our other dogs that are so so well-rounded and then we have these dogs that are just coming out of the puppy stage they're starting to take things seriously they're starting to run on track but then it's like Oh, that dog is now on its own race. <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> yeah, what just happened? And you're like, hold the phone. Do I call him back or is he on another? You're trying to tell yourself that he's not running a deer or a moose. Yeah, right. But you know, deep down, you know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know that if you cut that, you know, you make a crossing, it's going to be a swamp donkey running across the road. Yeah, right. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's kind of the goal with this is, you know, have an open conversation. I think that this is a good one for listeners to to pay attention and um, give some feedback, because I think that this is kind of a cool way to just stay in touch with all different levels of houndsmen, I guess. You know, we're all at different stages. Yeah, for me, it's nice to it, like it's nice to hear and know about other people that are going through the same stuff. Yes. Right? Like, like I, I think I mentioned to you before, it's tough, like. The first year I went out, man, I had all these hopes and dreams when I first got dogs. Like, do you want me to preface this a bit and kind of start? Yeah, I was like going to introduce you guys um, <laughs> now that we're 10 minutes into this thing. But we've got Joel Barter with us and Brandon, and I'm going to pronounce it hopefully correctly. It's Unsworth. Yeah. All right. right. I'm better at it than Buddy, so I can usually guess. <laughs> but let's hear. We'll let you guys take turns. Let's hear a little bit about yourselves. and. Um, how you guys met and then we'll just kind of roll into it from there. And you know, the point that I would really like to get to is you guys have hit that big crossroads where you're hunting buddies, everybody's been together and, you know, mixing packs, but yet you two have kind of decided to go different directions with your, your passion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll try and uh, try and sum it up as as best I can without taking too long, but basically uh, three years ago, when I first got into the dog game, it was, you know, classic story you hear so many times. Growing up in BC and hunting in BC, if you're not in the dog community, you think it doesn't exist. Like running lions with hounds and stuff, you think that's that's Montana, that's in the States, that's down south. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, that's yeah. non-existent up here. I've been hunting since I was a little kid, really, really <laughs> involved in, in the outdoors up here my whole life. And you just don't think that that, that even goes on in BC, right? And then... Uh, I ended up working with the guy for quite a few years and I knew his, his brother had uh, cat dogs and uh, that was the first kind of exposure I had to it or even heard about it. Right. And I worked with him for quite a while and then we were just kind of shooting the shit one day and he had moved up to the interior of BC 
and got a couple dogs of his own and I hadn't seen him in a little while and we were talking about deer hunting. He's just like, well, why don't you come up and run a cat? And I was like, man, like I would love to do that. Right. Like right. never thought in my wildest dreams I would ever get a chance to see a mountain lion in a tree. Right. And that's what it was for me at that point. It was like, I want to see a mountain lion. Like that's the craziest thing. I You're not have. the only one either. Like that is oh, yeah. the most mystifying thing for, for a lot of people, like a big cat. Yeah, never seen one all my years hunting, never seen one. And uh, so made a date a couple weeks later, went up there and man, went up to his place, loaded those dogs up in the morning. I It was the worst cat hunting conditions you could imagine. It's like, oh yeah, 12 inches of ice. That's what it was. It's 12 <laughs> inches of ice everywhere. <laughs> I hate ice, man. <laughs> Hadn't snowed in like five days, minus 20 kind of stuff, right? Oh no. And we loaded those dogs up and I was just like a little kid, right? I was like, man, we're going cat hunting. This is crazy. <laughs> First day, nothing. I think the second day we went out or something like that. And we found this, what we thought was a day old track, literally like fossilized in the ice in the road. But right. his, uh, put his lead dog down on it and worked it for like 15 minutes. And the cat just disappeared in the thin air, couldn't find the track anywhere. And I was like, man. I need to do this for every day for the rest of my life. This is the craziest <laughs> thing. This is the craziest thing I've ever seen, right? It is. And uh, I went up. I know a lot of people like get that idea. Like, you know, you dump dogs, go catch a cat. Hoorah. This is great, man. I went up 22 days spent hunting with them before I saw a cat in a tree. Yeah. Every time it was just the worst conditions ever. 22 days before we treat a cat and uh, treat three cats with them that year between that and the next year and uh two of them just were kittens right and he was like sure. you know it was just kind of like whatever and then we ended up treeing one small cat that you couldn't even see you could just see the tail hanging out of the tree and at one point through that whole adventure i looked at him and i was just like i want to get dogs yeah he, like, he looked at me he's like i want you to get dogs <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, everybody, misery loves company, man. Oh, yeah. 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 So anyways, I wasn't even living in a place where I could have dogs at the time. So I just made that my goal, right? And just started looking. I knew when my lease was up, I was going to get a place where I'd get dogs and just started this crazy, uh, crazy quest. And um, through a whole, uh, I don't know, through a crazy experience, I ended up linking up with a guy on Facebook that I had never met in Montana. And he said he'd helped me out trying to find me some pups. He thought he was having a litter of black and tans that spring. He's like, I'd probably help you find a, a started dog as well if you're interested. Right on. Yeah, a couple months later, he's like, yeah, I know this guy that's getting out of the game. He's got a six or seven-year-old blue tick finish line dog. You interested? And I was like, heck yeah, right? I'll <laughs> and, take uh, two. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, the whole time, I'm like, I am getting so screwed here. Like, this does not happen, right? But I was like, I'm rolling the dice on this one, and, and I'm going for it. And Long story short, man, the next spring he held those dogs for me for almost a whole year, hunted them for me. Oh, wow. And uh, went down there the next spring and got uh, got this blue tick and, and one of his pups. And uh, that's how I started my uh, my career. So I had all these crazy hopes and dreams of going out with my buddy up in uh, the interior there. And that year that I got my dogs, he moved back to Vancouver Island with Oh, <laughs> that was really inconsiderate man <laughs> yeah i was like this is gonna be great he had this dog he got uh i don't want to discredit his skills in any way but he got real lucky with his first pop just turned out to be a hammer one of those it dogs that just yeah. gets nothing it. wrong with getting lucky man yeah once in a lifetime <laughs> yeah. dog yeah. take a winner when you can yeah yeah so i was like yeah this will be great i'll 
train my pups up with him, get a bunch of experience with a guy that knows what he's doing. And then, you know, he moved and didn't really hunt with him at all that year. So it was like, I think my, uh, my first cat season, I was out there by myself. And the other thing is like, we work for a living, right? We're weekend <laughs> warriors, man. We're yeah. going out every weekend or long weekends, maybe take an extra day off here and there and, and, uh, grinding it out on the weekend. So, you know, if you don't get the right snow conditions or whatever, it's tough. Right. And, you know, there's a reason cat hunts are seven to 10 days. Like it takes that many days in a row, usually to catch a cat. Right. Yeah, right. You don't have good conditions. So I treed five lions the first year by myself. And, uh, we did pretty good. I did pretty good by myself. I was happy with that. That's but awesome. I mean, there was like, you know, times where I'd go out five weekends in a row and not cut a lion track. Right. Sure. And that wears on a guy. And the other thing that I had in my mind was like going out the years prior with uh, my buddy there. You see him with this dog that he got as a young dog and just starts hammering. I'm like, that's going to be me, yeah. right? You get dogs. <laughs> you just start hammering. Well, yeah. you know, little did I know. It's not that I didn't know, but the the finished dog I bought, it was a lion dog. He ran lions, right? Oh, perfect. He didn't run bobcats. He didn't run lynx. We can run lynx up here. And he doesn't run bears, right? Right. But I didn't know that. It was just like, you take a dog out, you're going to catch game, right? So the amount of bobcat and lynx tracks I had to drive past that year, try and get that dog to run, and he just wouldn't do it, you know, looking at me like a cow looking at a new gate, right? It was just right. like... What um, are you trying to set me up for here, man? <laughs> yeah, it was strange, man. And and being that fresh and, and not having any experience with that, I just thought a cat's a cat is a cat, right? <laughs> yeah, you'd think, right? So that was kind of like one of the first hurdles that I had to jump over thinking, you know, what's wrong with this dog? He won't run these bobcats or he would, but he'll go for a couple hundred yards and come back kind of thing. And the lynx tracks are really tough. I don't know if they smell a bit different or what it is, but he just wanted nothing to do with the lynx. So spent a lot of time trying to walk out tracks with them and just just wouldn't go right you know it's funny to hear you talk about it though because like a lot of those are things that we've talked about on podcast episodes yeah you know and it's it just goes to show it is applicable <laughs> i mean really this isn't just well, some guy saying strap up your boots you know and go for a walk there's a reason for that and yeah. uh i think being new you don't know where that threshold is well and it's and situational I, too right because knowing what i know about this dog now is he needs to be sure of a track before he runs it. He will not, he's not a, a dog that will just smell something. And he, he's not, I don't want to say he's not driven because he will grind tracks sure. out for days, right? But he has to be sure of it. And that's just his personality. He won't go if he mm. doesn't know 100% that it's good, right? And I know that now, but back then it was just like, that's a cat, man. Run the track, right? Let's yeah. go, let's catch this cat. <laughs> and being that green, it was tough, right? But, um, that was one of the big, big learning curves. And then kind of rolling into my first spring bear season, um, he didn't hunt bears, but we did catch a couple bears. I could get them to run them if we spotted them. Like if they ran across the road, I could get them to run a bear. Sure. But it was essentially like untrash breaking this dog, right? Yeah, right. Because I was like, this was one of the biggest learning curves for me in my first year or two. It was like, uh, we're in BC, we can run lion bobcat lynx bear coons like if it's got fur you can run it right so i'm just sure. like this is the houndsman's paradise man what what more could you ask for we can run dogs from right. september clear through to june right or the end of june yeah it's a long season up there yeah yeah for various types of games so it's just like why would you not take uh take that opportunity to be able to run your dogs and all these different animals right and in the end i learned that was kind of 
kind of actually hurting my progress. But uh, anyways, coming into the second season, I ended up getting my other buddy into hounds. Same thing that happened to me. We went out one time. He was buying a dog on the way home. <laughs> yeah, right. That's how it works. Oh, just yeah, one. He, he, he just bought one on the way home from our first trip. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's where we met. Yeah, that's Craig, where that's where Brandon back. comes into the picture, right? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that spring bear season is when we all we did a big boys trip out on the island there, and uh, we just a bunch of dudes and a bunch of dogs, man. And yeah. that's where that's where me and our other buddy Anil met Brandon, and yeah. it was like forged in fire, man, hunting some of the roughest <laughs> country oh. in, in BC, and uh, we had a hell of a weekend out there. Chasing that's... bears, you could call it, but uh, that's kind of how we all met. And uh, I guess it was going into the next spring bear season. We all had one good dog and a pup or two, right? right. And that's when the success started to happen. That's when oh, we yeah. kind of started really cutting our teeth. And it was like everybody's got their own finished dog, more or less in their prime, hammering real good. And we went out that spring and just slayed, man. Like we're, you know. You know, you're catching two, three, four bears a day every weekend. And it was, oh, man, it was well, some of the best. More, yeah, even more than that. We, we were out, especially during, like, the COVID stuff that was happening. Yeah. None of us were. <laughs> right? right? And so all we did was hunt, like, every single day. Yeah. So how many tags, like, I mean how many tags in your group do you guys get or do you, is it a draw up there or no, like, you are you can, catching uh, releasing most of them? Every resident, like there's no pursuit seasons where we hunt or anything like that. Spring bear runs from April 1st in most places to June 30th, 30th yeah. um, 15th in some areas, but every resident can have two tags. Right. And we're not really into shooting a bunch of bears. So, you know, like, right. Because you, know, you want to keep hunting them, right? That's, well, yeah, it's just, yeah, man, exactly. once you shoot them, the work begins. Like, once you shoot them, you got to stop chasing them for a bit. Yeah. So we just, you know, we, we're not really into shooting too many bears. So everybody's always got tags. If you do end up getting a hog, you shoot it and you still got that reserve tag so you can keep running your dogs, right? Because there's a false. Sure. Too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we treated a ton of bears that spring and it was like, all right, my, like, we got this. Like, we're doing good, right? And then, same thing, it carried on. We were a little bit apprehensive about cat season because it was our first cat season running together but man we slayed again we're treating you know multiple cats every weekend and we started getting the bobcats more consistently and uh we got a lynx as well which was kind of a, a pinnacle for us last year heck yeah those are cool man i know buddy gets up there and goes hunting for him it's crazy and he got his mount back i mean that thing is so awesome phil did it and it was just I don't know, like really good taxidermy is an art all on its own, but then you yeah. do it on an animal like that, that, I yeah. mean, that is just, they're beautiful. You guys, you guys have talked about it before, but those are the most frustrating critters to chase, man. Oh. They, they'll take you into the worst areas. Now, yeah. I'll give you an example. We got on one and we knew there's a lot of blowdown in this area, but the dogs ran 11 kilometers within a hundred yard little circle. <laughs> no, just never left. They, just they never bobbing left. and weaving. They just yeah, bobbing, weaving, and jumping, tree in. Yeah, eleven kilometers is all I could do to try to get them out. They got so turned around in that one hundred yard area that we had to walk in and get them. They just stopped and sat. Yeah, you rarely have to scroll anywhere on your map on yeah. your alpha. No kidding. It'll just yeah. stay in that box. Right? Yeah, we walked in and it took us they're only two kilometers in. We're honking everything else. It was two kilometers in, and it took us four hours to get to him. That's how bad this blowdown was. Oh no! Oh yeah, it was well into well into midnight coming back out of that one. 
that's fun. <laughs> yeah. well, the, the other problem is with links up here and like uh, uh brett fraser talked about it on that podcast you guys did with him there's so many of them right so you right. you'll dump on a links track you don't know if you if you treat you don't know if that's the same links that you yeah. started on right? <laughs> just start zigzagging you yeah. can drive a road like i've driven roads down here that are you know you go 10 kilometers you cut 20 links tracks right it's just that's wild yeah. it all so, depends on the rabbit right yeah yeah their their breeding patterns and how many there are completely depends on the rabbits sure yeah, yeah. they go in cycles <clears throat> so but yeah i'm i'm brandon unsworth region three director of the bc houndsman society uh we just started that up because we're under attack um in canada well houndsmen's are all under attack they're trying to take oh. away spring bear hunting and stuff like that so we're we're trying to show the educational side of and and the family side of hound hunting, right? Because everybody kind of looks at hound hunting as just savages going out and wanting to kill everything in sight. They don't right. they don't see that these dogs are our family. They don't see that our family is actually involved in all these hunts, right? So mm-hmm. it's uh it's been it's been good. We we got seven different regions or eight different regions that uh, we cover in, in BC. So we're we're doing that. But uh, yeah, me and Joel we we met that spring bear through our same buddy that has that wicked dog that got him into it. But mm-hmm. I'd been I'd been hunting with my father-in-law out in Alberta, but we only hunt cats out there. But I was doing it for a few years before I met him. And yeah, the first line that we got in the tree, there was nothing else I could really explain it as except for this. It like looked through your soul when it looked right? down at Just you. Just piercing. Oh yeah. It, it looks at you and it's like, I can kill you right now if I want to. <laughs> and that was probably like, I'm an adrenaline junkie and I was like, I need this in my life. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And it's, it's on a quota system out there. So you're very limited, right? If, if guys go out and shoot a bunch of females, like three females, like your season's done. They just shut her down. They shut her down. So, um, it takes a few years to really finish a dog, especially because I actually got to learn from him quite a bit on bringing up dogs because his, his lead dog, and also our other friend's lead dog both got ran over when we were running the dogs. We were taking them across the highway and we stopped and then the dog started running. We called it back and yeah, this guy was texting and driving and just took out two of two of the, oh, our lead man. dogs. So we all had to start from the beginning with our packs. And so we were walking out tracks for a long time, sticking their noses in every single hole, just going and grinding it out. So then I moved to BC. And, uh, and I grabbed one, well, we, we had our lead dog out there, had puppies. So I took one of those and, uh, started my pack out here and yeah, it was, it was rough. Didn't catch nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Like like you go out with all the success that we had in Alberta, like we went out. A little humble pie. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. You're just like, you know, you see fresh poop right in the middle of the, the path and you see a fresh track and you put your dog's nose in it and it just looks at you. <laughs> <laughs> Not like, today. You are supposed to be excited about this. Cause I, uh, <laughs> the dog just looks at you, wags its tail and comes for pets. It's like, all right, here we go. <laughs> so that, that same guy that we met through gave me one of his dogs, uh, to try to help my pack get started. And, uh, so I, we put some miles, we put a lot of miles in and a lot of failures and, uh, yeah, it was just a rough start. But as soon as all three of us got together, man, it was just like, bam, Uh, everything jived. We all got along really well. 
all of our dogs were just hammers together. Like we were finishing races. We were popping up. We were baying up. Like there was nothing stopping us. And then you just get to a point where it's like, you kind of want to go your own direction. Right. And it's a weird spot to be. And I saw this in Alberta actually between my father-in-law and his friends where is like they had a guiding business, so they always wanted to put their dogs down first. And we all have pups, so we want to put our dogs down first, right? Sure. And so it's like you're in this weird kind of spot where you, where everybody wants to put their dogs down first and train on this track, but it's like you can't, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're trying to work out different kind of, okay, well, you put your dog down, or you know, this, this, this line's yours, the next line's his, but you don't know how many lines you're going to treat in a season, right? Especially with right. dogs and so yeah you're running one that yeah. one in front of you at that moment because exactly. you you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow that's right yeah so we came to a point kind of where we all kind of needed to go different directions and i i'm very thankful that you know we're still good buddies but i think i think what happened was when we when we first met we all had those good that one good older dog each and some pups bringing up it's like at that point where we were at in that time frame is we needed each other like none of us we could do it on our own but not to the not to the uh success rate that we could together and sure. it worked really well those dogs hunted really well together and the pups you know we're running them but the pups weren't really doing anything um to stand out at that point they're all you know around a year under a year or just over a year kind of thing and then oh, yeah. it got to a point where all of our pups start uh you know each one of us has at least a pup that's starting to show itself and that's when you really want to nurture that dog right and so it got to a point where you know i started to withdraw a little bit because you know i want to get when you can only hunt weekends out of every month and i got my kid part-time too so i got a i got my son a four or five-year-old every other weekend trying to run hounds with a four or five-year-old on your own is a whole nother ball game to navigate but uh you got limited time right and like Brandon saying, you don't know how many cats you're going to treat, how many bears you're going to treat in a season. You want to, you want to maximize those opportunities for your pups. So naturally I kind of started hunting on my own a little bit more and not just that, it was kind of like, I have this vision in my head of, of, I was kind of joking before about Finnish houndsmen, right? <laughs> it's like, I have this vision in my head where it's just like, you can't really call yourself much until you've taken a pup from eight weeks or whatever and turn that into a finished dog. That's when, yeah. that's when I really start to, you know, you can start to call yourself a dog man, right? <laughs> you take a pup and you trained it into something that's special. Right. And part of me, you know, doesn't, I kind of want to do a, a bunch of that on my own. Right. Where it's just like, you know, right. that the, decision, you, the decisions yeah. you made, made that dog. It wasn't buddy's dog running with buddy's dog or, right. or whatever as a group thing. It's just like, you kind of want to hold some of that pride to your own, and say like when that dog makes it there is like we did that together me and that dog did that together right For sure. and one of the other things that happened was after cat season is when i started hunting on my own a little bit more and, and me and brandon we live like three hours away so we can't hunt together all oh, the geez. time and you're sitting next to each other right now yeah yeah, oh, well, yeah. He's, he's in town working yeah. right oh now. okay <laughs> i'm like but, dang um, man you're committed <laughs> Well, I hunt, I hunt in the, in the interior majority, but oh, yeah. up where he lives. Right. So, mm-hmm. but anyways, come spring bear season, um, I knew it was kind of working into my last year for that finished dog that I have. He's starting to show some age and getting tired. So I was like, you know, I got limited time where this dog's mm-hmm. going to be able to lead my pack. Right. 
And so I was like, I really got to capitalize on that this spring bear season. I went into it with pretty high hopes after our last full season running cats and bears, right? And uh, man, it was a game changer. I uh, I think I treed two bears this last spring. And running bears with my dogs went from the funnest thing in the world last year. We had so many good times to really frustrating. And at the end of the season, I realized I, I kind of took a step back and I realized that I spent the majority of spring bear just frustrated, mad at my dogs and, and realizing that I was mad at my dogs for things that are totally out of their control. Right. Basically, sure. what happened is my lead dog, Ringo, he just up and retired himself. Like, you know, he wasn't sick or or anything like that. He just kind of stopped running bears. He'd You know, get sure. a good strike, dump the box and he'd run for 100 yards in the beginning the pops would just blow past him and he'd kind of just come back like, I'm not doing this, man. Like I'm not running with these dogs. Like if they're just going to run out of here at mock chicken, you know, like that, I think that happens a lot more than people want to admit to is, you know, those old dogs that are used to being leaders. Yeah. He took it personally and you could see. They do. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's weird to see, but I mean like dogs that have been front runners their entire life and all of a sudden they're not it they get past and they're like okay i'm gonna sit here and boohoo around when i know you you know the tracks up there yeah or they get stubborn or they just quit on it i've seen that happen a bit in my own pack over the years i've seen him do it before when i'd run with with other people if he got blown out by other people's lead dogs and stuff like that he'd just hole up and yeah and come back or or he'd just go to sleep for the night but uh it's cold up there man i don't think i'd do that yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, he basically just uh, he stopped going, even if I would let him work it out for the first 500 yards or the first, you know, half mile kind of thing. And then the pops would just ineb- inevitably blow past him and 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 he'd stop. And so basically my spring turned into a whole lot of chasing and yeah. no catching. Right. And it got to the point where the dogs are striking and I'm like, all right, well, if you're not going to run them, I'll let the pups go and see what they do, because I got a dog that's a bit over a year and, and he's shown a lot of good signs really promising stuff so i was like well let's see what banner can do right here's your here's your opportunity let's see yeah let's see what you do with it and um by the end of the season you know (laughs) you get to a point where you're driving down the roads and your dogs are striking every 10 minutes like hammer striking right and it's just like there's not bears every 10 10 feet (laughs) and then by the (laughs) by the end of the season we had gone on confirmed several trash trash races the last day of the season, they ran a black tail on me, and I thought they were just hammering. And even Ringo was on it, man. They had me convinced. Oh man! I cut, I cut them going across the road, and they crossed just in front of me where I couldn't see them. And I run up there, and I could see their tracks going across the road. And I'm looking for the bear track, looking for the bear track, and there's this big old buck track shooting across the road. <laughs> and that was the last day of the season. And then I ended up bumping another deer off the road that they tried to. I let them out to see what they would do. And they tried to run that. And I was just like, man, this is not what I signed up for. Right. Like I just spent the whole spring season so mad and so frustrated. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta figure something out. This is not what I want to do. Right. These dogs are having a hard time. If, if my lead dog's not going to run game anymore, I got to make a change here. And it was just kind of coincidentally, I was listening to one of your guys podcasts and I heard buddy talking about kind of making a decision to, to just run cats. Yeah. Right. And it just, it made sense to me all of a sudden. And we had kind of experienced at the end of our last season where we realized like me, I love running cats, like the mystique about 
tree and lions bobcats like i love the um the way the dogs work cat tracks and going out there in the winter time and and just the whole style of running cats and the dog work behind running cats i really enjoy and um it just kind of made sense i got to a point where i was like you know what it must be really hard as a young dog to say hey you're allowed to to run lions bobcats lynx bears coons but you're not allowed to run deer you're not allowed to run moose elk coyotes sure like that that must be confusing right and that's so hard like, as a houndsman, I think, like a new, because I went through that phase. I was like the opposite or kind of, kind of like you are. When I started, I'm like, shoot, you know, you just get a dog and you go chase stuff. You put it on something, yeah. it runs it, you know, you go catch it. Yeah. Um, clearly that's not the case. <laughs> you know, I mean, I figured that one out extremely fast, but I did notice, and I'm sure you probably did too, is the trash breaking even on those dogs that are just running multiple game species. Yeah. I had dogs I could never break. I mean, granted it was my inexperience coupled with that, but yeah. it's like, they just, I don't know. They weren't smart enough to figure it out in my mind. But then when I started switching over to running just more of a specific game, you know, when I switched over yeah. to running Fox, literally I have dogs that I've hunted here that have never offered to run off game because they they got hammered on so many of the right species and i thought man i've literally never had to shock a couple of them i'm yeah, sure that yeah. day is coming do not get oh, me wrong yeah. it will now come that you said it. oh yeah but like the last trip out you know one of them they're they're roading down the road and this deer pops out in front of them and crosses and i was getting the alpha man that 200 was warmed up and ready oh yeah and you know what she walks over to the edge of the road just kind of throws her head in the air and she saw this thing cross the road. Oh yeah. And just goes right back to working. And I'm like, oh, That's oh awesome. my gosh, I don't know why. Like th- this was the biggest moment for me, as little as that sounds. Like they've never ran a deer. I would I don't know why I would have expected them to. But like That's I'm almost better than treeing something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking yeah. with my hump buddies riding shotgun. And uh he's like, Well, what did you expect? Did you think she'd run it? And in my mind, I'm thinking old school. Yeah, she's going to run it. But, you know, you really (laughs) think about it. It's like, no, it makes sense. So, I mean, but you limit your opportunity. And I think, like you guys said, weekend warriors, when we're going out there and you got one day and a weekend or you got to go out on a Tuesday night and hope you're home in time for work. It's you don't want to limit your opportunity from running uh, a bear, a cat, a fox, whatever, you know when you isolate it down now you're cutting out 70 percent of the tracks out there and you're trying to get the same amount of opportunity for those dogs which is freaking tough a big problem that i ran into this spring was the unknown of bear season when there's no snow on the ground and and (laughs) going from from cat season where you know if you get suspect if your dog's running off game you can you know hike that track out and figure out what they're doing and and you can make really good corrections and you can do a lot of productive trash breaking in cat season with snow on the ground right and not Mm -hmm. to mention that you're finding a track putting them on it you know which way it's going none of these things that you can do in bear season where you're just relying on your dogs and in my case relying basically now on two young pups you know one that's about a year and a half and one that just turned a year right and the other thing is both those pups are extremely driven like huge prey drive like they sure they will run anything 
Yeah, they will literally <laughs> run anything that leaves like a track, they, right? They want to go, right? And they're not getting hunted five days a week. So, of course, they want to go, right? Whereas yeah. opposed to my my big dog, Ringo, there that needs to be so sure about it, he won't run off game until right. those couple times I caught him at the end of the season. But even him, I started to wonder, you know, like if I if you take a dog that went from running just lions and all of a sudden you start letting him run bobcat lynx bears coons and stuff maybe he thinks it's it's open season now too right oh guarantee it i'll tell you i've ran into this several times where a dog wasn't i don't want to say they weren't working out but they had that uh old dog syndrome you know where they were getting out ran and they started doing weird stuff i mean just acting totally weird but they were you know broke dogs i would say yeah yeah you know passed on a hundred deer a hundred coyotes you know never offered it but then they go out the first time, and if they get away with running a deer one time, oh, it's yeah. like new owner, new rules. We're gonna run whatever we want to run, yeah. and it was like that, you know. Oh yeah, big time. And see, me and our other hunting partner, we went the other way. Like, we are still like I don't even know how to say it. But we love running bears. Like, if I can run straight into a bay up, the closer I can get to a bear bay up. Like that is absolute heaven to me, right? right? And like I live for that. And so we went, we kind of went the other way, but we still like we tolerate cat season. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's funny because it's like an equal split though. Everybody feels that way about that individual animal. And yeah. I cut my teeth hunting bears with my buddies down in California, yeah. and it's like, man, if we could still do that locally, I'd go right back to it. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, but you know, we've got to drive to Idaho and draw, or we got to go to Arizona or, yeah. you know, it's like, man, it just doesn't make sense because then I have to go back to having this multi-game dog That's right. yeah. that yeah. specializes in bears. Cause you, you know, a bear dog is special just like a cat oh, yeah. dog is Yeah, running one's different than being a bear dog, you know, oh, and the same with yeah. a cat dog. That's right. You know, you, you throw mine in the snow and they look at you like you're an idiot. Like, what are we doing here? But you know, dry ground. It's like, okay, this is a different game. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, they're funny. So we just kind of got away from it. And yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. We just, yeah, we live for that bear hunting. Uh, that's just, but yeah, you know, it's, it's hard, right? Because we had like literally our best hunting season was together. Right. So you're like, you're missing him, and we're trying to convince him to come back and be a right, be a bear dog man. <laughs> he's like, no, he's he's held out really good so far, and uh, but yeah, no, bear bear hunting to us is life, and it's like you know, and cat hunting to him is life. He likes getting up at two o'clock in the morning and running those nice fresh roads, and nope. I like sleep. I like <laughs> I like sleeping in and going to see if I can get those tracks right. If no I don't, kidding. if I don't catch a cat, you know, getting up at nine in the morning or eight in the morning, I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> we'll just wait for the sun to poke up and go rig around a little while. But we did, we did cross that path here. It was super hot, like record high temperatures here in the summertime. We didn't want to run the dogs in the high heat. So we were getting up at three, four in the morning and running our dogs on bears or whatever when it, when it first got light out. And yeah, it's we did it. We looked at each other and we go, this is why we don't like cat season. But <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, but there, I just don't think I don't. I like cats, but bears. There's just something about them. It's it was different. definitely like a. It was a pivotal moment, yeah. and it, it it did come naturally. It was kind of awkward being like, "Boys, I I think I'm done running bears, right?" But yeah. it wasn't out of this place where it's like, "Hey, I don't think we should hunt together anymore." It wasn't like a bad breakup. Like, <laughs> it was like, "Yeah, hey, I think this is the right move for my dogs right yeah. now." You know what I mean? Like yeah. I t- I watched my pack 
turn into this dysfunctional, chaotic thing by the end of bear season. And I found myself so frustrated and it ruined it. It ruined hound hunting for me in that sense, in that moment. Right. And I was like, I need burnout. I need to get back to a point where I enjoy this and where I feel good out there. And I enjoy being with my dogs instead of just being frustrated all the time and, and coming home every weekend, every night going out there unsuccessful and just being, being frustrated. I was like, we need to take it back to the basics. Let's pick one thing. Let's pick the thing I like doing the most and focus on that. And the other byproduct of that is where I live in the coastal area. I can run cats. I can run lions from September until June 15th. I think it is. It's a lot of opportunity in the interior. You can't do that. So I got this big idea. If I can, you know, eventually get my dog's trash broken off everything except for, for cats, then I can run cats 10 months of the year down near. Right. Yeah. So why wouldn't I do that? If I can teach my dogs, you know, eventually to dry ground, once we get this snow thing figured out and get these For pups sure. trained up, then it's, it's something to bleed into. And who knows, maybe down the road, we go back and, and get some bear dogs going, but oh. you know, <laughs> you the dark side podcasts and stuff, right? And you hear these guys that have been doing it for 30, 40, 50 years, these old timers that say, you know, bear dogs are different than cat dogs. And you find these dogs that are really good at one thing and really good at another. And it comes back to that first dog I ever watched work. Our buddy's yeah. dog. That's, that's one of those once in a lifetime dogs that can do it all. It's like, you think you just go get dogs and they're going to do it all, but they mm-hmm. don't all do that. Right. So it was a, it was a big, it was a humbling experience to realize like, I don't have that dog. I don't have the dog that's going to do it all. I don't think. And it may be 20 years before you see that dog. That's exactly. exactly. If ever. I mean, really, that's what, you know, I get to talk, obviously, with a ton of people. And I, they're hound doggers. You know, we talk dogs, it seems like. It, it just always comes up. And you always hear those stories about that that special dog, that, that puppy dog. that started, you know. And it, it's like you hear about it and you think, man, yeah, I got one of them out here. Until you realize that guy's looked at a hundred pups yeah. over his career. Yeah. And you know, he might've had a handful that met that criteria, you know, of being the special dog. Well, and that criteria changes too, man. Like yeah. when I, when I got my first dog, my first pup, like I got Ringo and, and one of his pups rebel. And, um, I never forget, man, this was like the, the first big moment for me in my career. We were running cats on the island and there wasn't any snow you're running through the jungle bush and the salal and the cedar timbers right just and, thick, uh, nasty oh yeah, yeah yeah all the dogs blew up on this track and and uh they ended up getting real squirrely and couldn't figure it out and then my buddy's pup ended up finding me out and taking it off and then my pup started cutting over to where he could hear him and i remember watching his dogs lying on the alpha and my pup going towards that line, I'll never forget watching my pup rebel hit that line. And you just it's hear that. Ooh. Oh, yeah. And I was like, man, he just opened on a track. He just opened on a dry ground track, right? This is crazy. Starts following it, hits a river crossing. I'm like, oh, well, that's the end of that, right? And you see him kind of do a couple hooks at the river. And then he's in the water. And then he's across the river. And then he's opening on the other side. Damn, and it was like, this is it, man. Yeah. This is this is the pinnacle of, of hunting, right? But, you know, that. You think now oh, I got a pup that opens on tracks. He's, he's trailing, he's, he's barking, you know, it, this is it that we're doing it. Right. And it ended up, you know, he wasn't that dog and I ended up losing him at a young age, but, uh, 
And then I got my next pup and that pup started, you know, following bear scent by himself at 12 weeks. Like, shit, you not. Like, <laughs> right. It was the that was a story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Like literally bear ran across the road and we let the pups out to pee and he started tracking this thing by himself. Nice. And luckily it was the first day I put a tracking collar on him just to get used to it. But we're taking a piss on the side of the road and I hear this yipping and I look at the alpha and my 12 week old pups 350 yards down the mountain going after this boar that just ran across there the you road go, man. a big boar in that too and i would oh, honestly i wouldn't have believed that he was on the right track but we went and scooped all the big dogs up that were running another bear and dumped him on it we caught that bear and shot it that day so no kidding yeah so you've had your quota you're done now that was the one pop <laughs> well yeah he's doing he's doing pretty good still but he'll be 18 months coming into this this cat season coming up here but uh well, that's an awesome age though like too. That, i mean because they know what they're doing by now and now it's like that quick learning yeah. curve you know but that's out. the thing right like i thought i had you know this great dog with that first pop just because he barked on a track and then you know a year later you get into a different dog and you're like oh this is what natural instinct looks like yeah, this is this is a dog that has a little more than the last one, right? And that's just it's just all a part of that learning curve. Yeah. So uh, how hard was it? Because I remember for me, like when I started, I wanted to do and be more involved than I really should have. Yeah. Messing with them. Yeah. You know, Probably. did you ever hit a point where you're like, man, I should just let these dogs do it? Like, it's I don't here. need to be interfering with this part i need to learn what i'm supposed to do later and help them this year for sure um but it was also really conflicting with that uh that choice to stop running bears right because now i got a pup that you know has run a few bears and got a taste for it and got to liking it and now it's like well we don't really want to do that anymore right so it got to a point where after spring bear season i i made that mental connection where it was like trust the dogs our, our buddy that got us into it he always said you know if in doubt just trust your dogs man let them run let them run that track and if they do something wrong correct them for it but you, you can't just you can't just be that helicopter parent and in fear of them doing something wrong all the time right but basically after the spring season i said you know i'm not gonna obviously run any fall bears or go out and really pursue anything this fall we're gonna go into cat season um run cats all winter and then we'll we'll start working on that trash breaking process next next spring right but it was yeah, definitely it a realization where it's just like don't hover over these dogs just let them do what they know to do like, yeah, trust them it's so hard too right because you have your dogs that you trust me i've got my my experienced dog and i trust him and you see my other two dogs that are off on their own race <laughs> <laughs> And you time. want you want to tell yourself so badly that they're running the right race, but and and you never you never really know. <laughs> that <laughs> right? that's the biggest you thing. You never like... really know, and and they prove me right sometimes, and they prove me wrong sometimes. So it it's really hard not to not to start correcting. You know, when you got two dogs that you're not quite sure of, you know, chasing something, and your other dogs are on another trail, right? And especially. Cause we hunt during the rut for bears. So there's a lot of times there is a sow and a boar together. Sure. So you, you're going to keep telling yourself that they're chasing the sow that, or that's the split. vice versa when that's happening. But, you know, letting them run and, and trying to figure it out, finding their crossings and, and just doing it that way rather than overcorrecting, I think is definitely something that I've learned to do. Um, 
yeah, it's it's really tough not to not to correct, you know, not to beep them back or whatever else. Sure. You don't trust them. But those dogs, dogs go through their own stages in life, right? I noticed that when you fix a dog, it goes through a different whole stage in their life, right? Mm-hmm. Coming out of a heat, they go through a different stage, yep. right? My one black and tan, she she was like, we got her and my, my buddies, I bought her off a guy. He, <laughs> he had started her, but she's a small black and tan. I call her an Austrian black and tan because she's got short little legs, right? And they they picked her up. And they're like, dude, I don't know if you want this dog. It looks like a fat black lab with like, a, <laughs> with like the colors of a black and tan. And I'm like, well, it's cheap enough. I might as well give her a shot. And, you know, I call her Steady Letty because she hammers. But, you know, she went through parts of it where she was like tight on bear bands, tight, mm-hmm. tight, tight. And then all of a sudden, you know, she went for a few months where she hung back 100 yards. And now she's back on tight again. Right. And so it's like, you know, dogs have their own personalities and they go through their own kind of stages in life. Sure. Why they go through those stages, I don't know. But, you know, you just have to kind of let them go through and just kind of double check on what they're doing by those crossings. Right? I live by crossings. Yeah, because if you don't see it, I mean, it goes both ways. Yeah. I've been in a lot of situations when the conversation is that's a freaking coyote. I know it is. They are chasing <laughs> that coyote. They are doing <laughs> And then, you know, you end up at a tree. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's good. That's good. And then there's other times, you know, they're just cranking on it. And I, I, I remember this one. I took, had a new neighbor move in from Pennsylvania, new to the area. And uh, they knew about like coonhounds and stuff, but the foxhounds, he had no idea. So he asked if he could go one night. So I take him out to this country that I hunt and we start a track. And it's literally right where I tell them we're going to start it. Like, hey, when we hit this point, <laughs> we're going to start a fox within 100 yards. So we get it right there and boom, dogs leave the road. They're cranking. And so oh, I know where they're going to cross. Whip down around there, scare him half to death because he didn't understand how hound hunters drive, <laughs> which is a whole nother podcast. We should do that sometime. <laughs> and he, I told him, I said, if it was daylight, you'd kill me right now, but you can't see what we're driving through. So we get down to this crossing point and I'm like headlights off, sitting there waiting and you can hear him coming down the hill. That was the best feeling. And I heard him and I said, something's wrong. <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean something's wrong? I said, something is wrong. That ain't a fox. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, did they change? I said, nope, but something ain't right. And sure enough, here comes this big fat doe bounding down the bank. <laughs> and I'm standing in the ditch as those dogs come through the brush. And oh. they knew they screwed up, oh, you yeah. know. But it was like, you know, hitting that point where you could hear it. Yeah. And know it, even though everything lined up, this was good game. Yeah. Like, no doubt in my mind when we started that track, it was good game. Yep. And then it's like, you know, you finally hit this point as a, I'm going to say houndsman, because even though we're all learning, we're houndsmen. Oh, yeah. You hit that point where it's like, you do something like that, you can analyze it, you can come to a conclusion, and afterwards it's like, aha, like, mm-hmm. how do... How did I know that? What made me realize that? And that's when you start picking pieces apart. And, you know, even to the point where I was in the same boat kind of as you, Joel, when I was starting to rig tracks and not trusting them. Yeah. I got to the point where they were still rigging garbage, but I could tell 
they were rigging garbage. Yeah, that's right. Their bark might not ever change, but you know, yeah. when a dog starts dancing on his front feet, like I knew it was different. Yeah, it's yeah. a truck shaker, right? You come yeah. around the corner and they're ripping holes out of the side of the dog box. You know, yeah. you got a bear, right? Or, yeah. right. or whatever you're chasing. Or right? a moose. Like yeah. I was saying, saying <laughs> earlier where they're striking every 15 minutes. We got to the point last year, all our dogs were doing it. And we got to the point last year, dog striking. You just lean out the window, shut up! And they yeah. stop. And it's like, well, that's not a bear, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you can tell your dog to stop striking and yeah. it stops, it ain't a bear it is or whatever bear. you're chasing. Yeah. And that's what we found. But uh, I think another one of the big realizations, like uh, like you're saying, those aha moments was kind of within the last year, year and a half. Um, I was looking at the dog, like blanketing all the dogs together, like looking at them like machines, like robot sure. dogs, right? You take these dogs out. They've all got a job. This is what they're supposed to do until I really started picking up. Ringo being the most experienced, my old dog there, um, he was a lot easier to learn. His tendencies were really pronounced, and I could kind of figure out his traits. He's such a quirky dog. And then I started, as the, the two pups started to get a little bit older, I could, and they started going on, going on races and stuff, I could start to pick up some of their traits, even like you're saying, picking up their different vocalizations when they're frustrated or when they're really stoked on a track and stuff like that. And it was kind of like, in addition to just letting the dogs go and do their own thing, listening, watching and learning like, oh, what works for Banner doesn't work for Boone all the time. And what works for Ringo doesn't necessarily work for Banner and and figuring out, you know, the different situations that those dogs excel in or the different situations where those certain dogs have troubles in and just realizing that each one of them's different. You got to treat each one of them different to get optimal performance out of them, right? Like sure. my young pup is just a hothead, man. Like we ran a cat and and he found the track by himself. I was all stoked and he ran it up, did a big hook up the mountain, starts coming around, whipped in front of me about 120 yards. I'm like, he's just hammering on it, right? This is awesome. Boone's doing great for a young dog. And then Ringo and Banner figured it out in the back and they come up through the same hook and then go up and over the mountain. And I'm like, well, he missed the turn. What's going on here? And then I hike up there to look at the tracks in the snow to see if he was trashing. And he's not even on anything. He's just running and barking. And, <laughs> and he had actually run so far past where the cat turned that he got on the in track and started running it backwards and thought he was king of the hill Going again. Going the right way, yeah. Before you know it, he's down on a creek bottom saying he's treed and the other two bigger dogs have the thing treed in the next canyon. And it's just like, you know, well, we beat we, your we head against the wall. <laughs> But he wasn't even, he wasn't running a deer. He just blew past it, right? Head up in the air thinking he's running a bear or something. And, uh, that happens. Know, just another learning experience, right? For sure. Yeah. You're all, you're always learning. You're always learning with your dogs. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you kind of have to. Yeah. Uh, if you're not learning, I mean, I think a lot of times, you know, there's, there are those dogs out there that you can just put on a track and it's like yeah. clockwork, right? You know, they're very few and far between, I think, but they are out there. And what does that do for you as a dog man, right? You get this machine yeah. that you can just put down that trees, right. everything you put it on and doesn't right. run trash. What does that do for you as a yeah. dog man trying to learn? Exactly. Yeah, I, I learned more in that four years without my own dogs in Alberta, walking out that track and keeping those pups on a leash, tromping through like, you know, three, four feet, five feet of snow, following that lion for kilometers and kilometers until the point where they're like, I need to go, right? And finally letting them off. But 
I got drugged through so much stuff. That little 40 pound <laughs> dog, you know, and I'm six foot three, a 40 pound dog drugged me down the hill and up the hill. You know, <laughs> I learned more doing that than, than anything. Right. It was like, okay, these dogs, they need to keep, you know, they need that structure. Right. Yeah. You, and my father-in-law taught me, he's like, you know, we could let those pups go and it'll probably run with those other dogs, but it's not going to be your lead dog. It'll be a me too dog. Yep. Right. And you don't, you, you want to have that rounded pack that everybody talks about where it's like, Oh, every one of my dogs can do it. You try, mm. right. Not all those dogs have it. Um, and that's, I think the, the perspective everybody wants to push is, you know, nowadays we call dogs differently than we used yeah. to. Oh, yeah. You know, they just think that there's a dog is either good or it's not. And it's like, man, yeah. there's a lot of middle ground there because a Big dog time. that works for somebody yep. doesn't always work for somebody else. So, I mean, I know I've gotten dogs from buddies that they're like, this dog just isn't going to do it for me. And you swap yeah. and it's one of the better dogs that I own for what I do, yep. you know? And it's like, <laughs> I guess the, the, the antis kind of underestimate the lengths that we go to, to give these dogs opportunities. Oh yeah. Right. It's funny, man. Like, uh, like you talk about dogs having different, uh, different strengths and weaknesses. Like you might have a dog that's just a hammer locating, right. And it's, he might not open on track or run a track real hard or be able to figure out, uh, figure out a loss or whatever it is, but he might find that tree every time. And you might have other good track dogs and stuff, but it's just funny. Like we got this one, one buddy, on the island there that he, he loves running bears too it's it, his dogs are bear dogs right and they're good but he's got this one dog ramon man and it's the funniest <laughs> shit. this dog will literally let the whole pack run the bear for seven hours however long it takes all day and he will just wait until he knows they got that thing bait up and then he'll run in and steal the glory <laughs> oh yeah time. he's smart the funniest stuff and even even his his owner is just like, man, you are such a piece of shit, but I can't get rid of you. It's just hilarious. He just comes in, steals the glory every time, right? Let everyone else do the work, come in and just hammer that bay up or hammer that tree. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Think about the days before Garmin when you just turned them loose and they went out of hearing and whoever was there was a good dog and whoever didn't, you know, they were having an off day, but then you yeah. realize there were a bunch of them just doing a whole lot of me too and or yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. running around yeah. barking. <laughs> Well, not just it. It almost makes you overthink it, man. The Garmin's—they are awesome and they are great for training. And you can learn a lot by watching them and using them and stuff. But you—you you got to find that happy medium where you need to put it down and, yeah, and learn sure. something by by just walking, by walking and listening, and and take it back a little bit and and think that there's dudes that that did this and do this for a long time without that stuff successfully. Yeah, successfully. Yeah. Like, really, they are great for training. They are great for correction when you need to do it. Like. It cuts a. It gives you a lot more time hunting, being able to get those dogs back and pull oh, yeah. them off game if they're on it. But when they're hammering, it's. I've been trying that a lot lately to just put, just the, put, put the GPS away, watch, listen, and just try and observe. You get a lot more out of it, I think. You know, because yeah. when you take something that's an, intended as a tool and use it as a crutch, sometimes. You know, yeah, I, I'm guilty of burying my nose in it, trying to figure stuff out. And then I lose my whole surroundings if I'm hunting a new yeah. spot, you know, yeah. we're really all I got to do is listen to my dogs. And I know we're going to be on it a while or yeah. we're going to get this thing pretty quick or, yeah. you know, and I just I've talked to guys that don't know which one of their dogs are barking, you know, and I'm not yeah. knocking on them. 
that's no. just you have to hit a certain point before you start realizing every little bit means something. Hey, oh yeah, and what what pitch their bark is at and how how right. repetitive it is, right? There everything, yeah. Once you're in tune with your dogs, it's it's awesome. That's one of my favorite parts taking new people out like my thing is like I'm single, right? So my thing is if you want to if you want to go on a date, like, <laughs> so many please look. We've we're got the W dating dogs. app. I don't know if you've seen that video, but <laughs> what's that? The W dating app. I heard about it. I haven't seen it, but it's one of those things. It's like if you if you want to if you want to go on a date, we're going to run the dogs, right? It's yeah. got to get done. I don't have time to go for a drink, so it's funny. You like take a girl out or something. It's just like dogs whining in the box. It's like quiet banner, and it's like what what do you mean? It's like well, yeah. How do you know who it is? How do you know who's whining? It's like well he doesn't stop whining ever. So I know it's him, but yeah. it's one of those things, right? You get in tune with it. It happened to me the first time I went out with our buddy and, and his dog was chopping away and he was like, Oh yeah, you know, gunners on it. Good. Or whatever. How do you know that's that dog? And after a while, when you do it all the time, you, you think how can't you help not, it, right? yeah. it's like looking at the difference between a bobcat and a coyote track. Yeah. Right. But, uh, it's cool, man. It's some yeah. of the, some of the best phone calls that I've got from him. Cause Anytime any of us get in a in a bad race or we're like, you know, up in the bush till the wee hours of the morning chasing our dog or something, just trying to get him back, I'll usually get a phone call. But he's like, yeah, I got this girl. She uh, she came on the first race with me, but I'm like eight kilometers in the middle of like the abyss. And this poor girl is sitting in the truck waiting for me. Oh, no. It's <laughs> like. I'm like, this is your first date? Yeah, it's the first date. She's been in the truck for like five hours. <laughs> oh my God, man. <laughs> and she even called him back after. I was like, man, you better marry that girl. Yeah, you no know? kidding. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, shoot, guys. I really appreciate you coming on. And I do think this is a, I would really encourage the listeners. I'd like to hear some feedback on this one because, yeah. you know, you reached out therefore volunteered to do this with me <laughs> but i i think it'd be cool to do more of this you know and cover a little broader spectrum between beginner and the end all you, yeah. there's a so much room in between it's nice to know we're all struggling right i know even the guys that have been doing it for 20 years are still learning and stuff and yeah. everyone goes through their through their ups and downs in the game but it it's nice to know that like here in BC, there's a lot of guys that are getting into it right now, and it's good for mm -hmm. the sport, right? It's good to see guys getting into it, and there's, it's so tough when you go out there for a weekend, you grind it out, and maybe you you get a bad race or you don't even cut a track, and you come home and you just it looks like everybody on Instagram treat a lion that yeah. weekend, right? <laughs> and it's just like, what the hell am I doing wrong? Yeah, what man? did I do wrong? Like I try and post some of the some of the failures, yeah. if you want to call it That's that, or just like take a video when you're frustrated in a swamp up to your nuts yeah. and ice or whatever it is right it's just like a try and try and put some of that out there for other people just so people can see that it ain't easy you know it's right. not just you're not the only crap. one having a hard time yeah, yeah and, and even just to the general public like hey this is there's more to it than than it seems right like yeah and i think one of the biggest things that i've learned in the last little bit is i've actually been purposely getting uh calling out people that you know, I've been doing it for 30 years and just messaging them, shooting right. them a message. Hey, what do you think about breeding? What do you think about bloodlines? What do you think about, you know, mixes? Like what's been your, you know, how, how important is a bloodline in, in dogs and stuff like that. Right. Sure. And just, just asking them questions. Right. And I've been really surprised at how many of these guys that are big time outfitters and that kind of stuff that have been doing it that are, you know, world renowned houndsmen 
that actually take the time and talk oh, to yeah. me about it. It's right? crazy and, and the it, community and how tight it is. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's awesome, right? And as a as a new houndsman, that's that's invaluable, right? Like it's it's a big sounding board. Yeah, that's right. And it's the same with us. If someone shot us a message and started talking about hounds, like I'll probably talk your ear off about it because <laughs> at least over an hour, <laughs> that's all right? I like to do. <laughs> no, so, yeah, it's... You know, it's it's a big thing when you feel like you're alone and you're failing. It sucks. <laughs> but know that all the rest of us are out there we're just doing the best we can and try to be patient with your dogs and just just put go through go through it with them and work it out with them take the victories where you can the small that's ones right. are just as big as the big ones a victory is right. a victory yeah yeah you find victories in things that ain't just training an animal you know sometimes right. that's not the victory of the day like you're talking about your dog that watched that deer run across yeah. the road like yeah. that is a victory man yes. right <laughs> yeah just that one the next one will be different maybe (laughs) (laughs) well yeah that's exactly where we're at we got our dog that our trash broken dog that never runs trash and uh our other hunting partner went out the other week and he's like man i don't even know where my head's at now because i just caught him chasing a black tail (laughs) (laughs) i'm like yeah man that is like our that is the dog that is just like we were banking on that one yeah, 100% is just like, oh, now we're going to question it every time. <laughs> so it starts again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, before we jump off of here, Brandon, why don't we give a little plug to your organization, too? And I'll try to get the uh, the website stuff from you and put it in the episode notes. Awesome. Yeah. So it's the BC Houndsman Society. We're in British Columbia, Canada. Uh, we just got started up. And uh, yeah, so we're going to be doing lots of like uh, giveaways. But we're we're trying to educate everybody just on the well-roundedness of houndsmen right so we take our families out like the softer side of houndsmen that people don't see so we show like our kids like our dogs are our family right mm-hmm. they are a family we bring them up in our house you know up until a certain point um they come out with us like when we lose a dog it's like losing one of our kids right me and him both lost our up-and-coming pups both in the same year right we we both went through that together and it brought us so much closer. You know, he was with me when I lost my dog and it was just like my whole world collapsed. Right. And so people don't see this. They think, oh, yeah, these are just working dogs. Right. And so mm-hmm. we're trying to show everybody that, no, these this is so much more than just hunting with a dog. Right. It is actually a whole society of people that, you know, we're we're a big family and right. the dogs, the dogs are just as much a part of the family as our kids and our everybody else involved. and and uh it's not it's all for the dogs right i think that's the crazy part people forget is if the dogs weren't there like the dogs are what enhances that that family and the camaraderie between hunting buddies it's the catalyst and and we value that which i think is not understood by a lot of people no that's right and it's yeah it's a culture right and you know, it, it's gone on for generations and I hope that it still goes on for generations. And us, us guys, we're, we're all about conservation, right? Everyone's like, Oh, you're just killing all these cats and these bears and everything else. It's like, no, we're the only ones actually putting in the legwork when it comes to, uh, conservation funds and actually doing research with, uh, lions and stuff. Right. It's like, we're the only ones doing this. right? Right. And a lot of it, it's out of pocket. And, that's what we love to do because we want to learn more about these animals. We want to keep a healthy population for these animals. And the, and the sure. aunties definitely don't get it out there saying that, you know, they don't put any money into conservation. They put in money into just shutting us down. 
right? Mm-hmm. And and it's all politics now rather than actually science based uh, research, right? So we lost the grizzly bear hunt in BC because of that. So right. oh, it's just trophy hunting, and now it's like rampant. Guys are getting attacked left, right, and center. So it's like you know we're trying to just show people that you know we're not just savages running around not caring about our dogs and and you know mistreating them and and that kind of stuff right we're we're actually we're using these dogs for good and right. they're loved and they're cherished just like your own home pet at home so it's yeah or even tighter i think that's that's, that's oh, what yeah, i see is like an average pet owner not dogging on them but you will never understand the connection that you have with a working dog yeah no it's totally no. different yeah, yeah. go through that experience with them and learn with them like that. It's a whole different ball game. That's right. And, and I got both. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, I love I, my I house dog too. too, but like yeah, at the I same time, it. it's just it's different. Yeah. So yeah, man, we'll have to get the link up for that. And I really appreciate you guys coming on. It's yeah, late now. Appreciate it, man. Fairly late. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's been a some good topics and i really think you know later on we'll follow up on some of this i'd like to do a recap you know we may be a year out with you guys but like let's get through season because i want to hear how this unfolds you know kind of lots of lots of fresh stuff to talk about if you want to do it again after after cat season especially coming into the spring season transitioning into some more hopefully some dry ground stuff and there'll be a whole bunch of learning going on in the next year next couple seasons so heck yeah lots to talk about yeah well you guys uh have a good one thanks for joining us and yeah, thank uh, you. thanks for having th- us thanks for reaching out man that's what it takes is listeners reaching out to us you know um you can reach us through our facebook instagram any of that uh email us directly heck give me a call i don't really care you know i love talking to podcast listeners <laughs> so let, let's hear what uh what some of you guys have to say too i really yeah. appreciate it right on, man. Man.